0: Hello and welcome to Creative Strategize and Synergize, a podcast about the business side of being a creative. My name is Chris Scott. My name is Atish. And in this
1: week's episode, Chris and I uh, review Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, and use some of its principles to evaluate some case studies we've been thinking of. So case in point, I'm probably not going there anymore. Just as a preca- precaution. I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure it's me, but just in case it's not... I'm just not going to
0: go. Uh, or just go again and see if it happens again. That sounds like a really stupid way to collect data. <laughs> yeah. Got to collect data somehow, right?
1: Hey, fair enough. I am a scientist through and through. Um, but yeah, so that's what's new with me. What's new with you? I'm
0: going to keep all that in.
1: I, I mean, I don't know. we can also I can also start on a fresh sentence right now, like, hey, what's what's up with you, Chris? Hey,
0: Atish, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, just like that. Um, let's see, what's new this week? I I thought yesterday was May twenty-first, and it was April twenty-first. So you just gained a month. So I, I showed up for a, a work gig that I thought I had working for the film office here. Oh, And I walked up, it was at the loft, the art house cinema theater here, Mm -hmm. and I walked up and I saw the guy there that hired me. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, you hired me, you emailed me to be here. (laughs) You're like, like, you should know. He's like, no, I didn't want to pay for anybody to come to this event. I want you to come to our next event. I was like, when's the next event? He's like, it's the 21st. I'm like, today's the 21st. (laughs) And then I looked on my phone. you continued
1: to argue with this guy?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was right. I was very adamant to put in my calendar on the 21st, but I yeah. put it in for April 21st. It was supposed to be May 21st. Yeah. And it just so happened that the same guy that I'm going to see on the, on May 21st was there on April 21st for a different event that he didn't want to hire anybody to work, which was pretty funny. Uh,
1: sometimes I feel like I've got a firm idea about – like I, I construct my life around two TV shows. Can you guess which two of those are? Cheers. Uh no, that's my dad. How it works? Okay, <laughs> no. Basically, my life is all curb your bunch- enthusiasm. <laughs> close. You're you're real close. In fact, that one's probably a, a honorable mention. Um, basically, a majority of my Planet life. Earth. A ma-
0: what? Planet Earth.
1: Hell no. Um, I basically base my entire life or my understanding of life. Uh, is entirely based on The Simpsons and Seinfeld. Oh. And I pretty much categorize my friends into who I think their Seinfeld character is. And have you realized, or has anyone ever told you that you're Jerry?
0: I have no idea who Jerry is. From from Simpsons?
1: No, Jerry fucking Seinfeld.
0: Oh, I know who Jerry is.
1: Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? No, what's the deal with that?
0: Yeah, I know who Jerry is.
1: You know what's interesting? He actually – I think I saw this on an interview with him, pretty like a pretty recently interview. He was like, you know, it's so weird because all these people, like when they're doing Jerry Seinfeld impressions or whatever, they always start with that. What's the deal? He's like, you can search my catalog. I never started anything with what's the deal. Yeah. Uh,
0: My favorite Jerry Seinfeld impersonation is probably from 30 Rock.
1: Ooh. uh, Who does it?
0: So uh, Liz Lemon it was it's pretty funny. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Perfect. <laughs> it was it's, it was really funny. I okay. wish I I could do it. I I I don't I remember parts of it but not the whole thing in its entirety.
1: My favorite impression uh from 30 Rock would probably be in the episode where um jack and tracy jordan or tracy morgan i forget what he goes by and what uh, are going through is.
0: the family therapy session
1: yeah and so that's then he funny. like he, first he is pretending to be tracy's dad which is just an impression of the guy from sanford and son and then he starts being tracy which is funny and then he's tracy's mom which i forget who that person is but it's like it's really funny That
0: that's pretty funny impersonation
1: anyways so uh so i'm jerry you're
0: you're kramer
1: no 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 i'm not kramer
0: you're not george
1: you don't think i'm george no i'm always scheming
0: no you're not george
1: you think i'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants
0: yeah you're you're newman
1: uh (laughs) no halt belay that remark (laughs) If I'm anyone, I'm Kenny Banya. Like if I'm if I'm not one of the main four, I'm Kenny Banya. He's the guy who's like the other comedian that Jeremy or not Jeremy. That Jerry is like fuck, like I fucking hate working with this guy. He's the guy who does the joke, um why is it called oval It should be called round Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's always like uh he's uh, he's always like Jerry, check it out. I'm a size 42. I'm huge. Like, he's always like saying those things about, you know, whatever. I think if I am any um, TV character, I'm probably the guy from Master of None. Um, Not Aziz. The Asian Uh, guy. No, not the Asian guy either. The other guy who, like, do you remember that episode where they're talking about, like, why aren't there more Indians on TV or like movies or why is it all Indian stereotypes? I didn't
0: really watch that show.
1: It was only okay. Well, anyways, there's this guy who, like, Uh, is creating his own brand of chickpea-based protein. Oh, my God. And it's called uh, Mumbai Muscle. I'm that guy. Like, I'm definitely that guy, right? Okay, okay. (laughs) But if I was a Seinfeld character, I guess I could be – I would be a Kramer if Colton – Colton's definitely George because he schemes all the time. You're definitely my Jerry.
0: You're Elaine, dude.
1: Oh, yeah, because I am trying to climb that corporate ladder.
0: Right. And you get freaked out when people eat candy bars with a knife and fork. That doesn't freak you out? Uh, No.
1: (laughs) In some ways, you and I are just two very different people. Right. Well, uh, all that aside, uh, what do you think about our good friend Malcolm Gladwell? What do I think of Malcolm Gladwell? What do you think of Malcolm Gladwell? Okay, so I think this was a couple of weeks ago, and the timeline now has kind of become confusing to me because I had all that uh, family drama that one week. So uh, we, we or at least I didn't do an episode. I think you might have done an episode without me or something. You know, our timeline kind of got shifted uh-huh. just like abruptly. Um, but, but I forget when we said that we would kind of like read the tipping point and review it. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't complete it. I got about 70 to 75% of the way through. And, uh, you know, cool. life kind of, you know, it's a gentleman's C. I'm not happy about it, but, you know, it, it got me. Um, but I'm actually a big fan of a lot of Malcolm Gladwell stuff. I think uh, if you are only to read one, I would say everyone should read uh, Outliers,
0: that's that's uh the one about the dots on the the graph, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> nice.
1: You it's it's you pretty much know a, what what kind of bu- books
0: I'm reading. It's a bunch of graphs with dots on it and the outliers that one that's not by the big group of them. I mean, yeah, by t- by technical definition you're not wrong.
1: Um it, but that book is basically about how um like, the general thesis is that they're – what can we glean from uh, learning from these, you know, really, like, these outliers, like, these people who aren't just, like, in the normal curve of good but are, like, firm experts, like, beyond the pale better than everyone else and why are they that way and, like, what sets them apart and uh-huh. stuff like that. Like, so it's just, like, interesting stuff, like, um, about how basically – I forget how the hockey season runs – But if you're born like a majority of the professional NHL, like a surprising percentage of uh, NHL, like professional hockey players are born within those first three months of that of the hockey season because it allows them to be on the team one year earlier. And therefore they develop these skills one year earlier than their younger, like later in the year people. And they also because they're technically one year older, they grow muscle density and like they grow faster than their you know whatever. So if you are in uh like peewee hockey from that young of an age, you kind of end up having a an edge on the people who were enrolled even a year later. Fascinating. Like that kind of stuff. That's out, that's outliers. And it also is uh, it has it houses that like uh quote that everyone talks about about 10,000 hours. Like that's that's uh how you become an expert at anything.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day. Really? I have these new lights that are super bright and I don't know how to use them. Mm-hmm. It's because I, I just got them. I just got to figure out how to use them. The more I use them, the better I get. So it's just.
1: Yeah, it it ends up becoming and that's kind of my problem with that. It It becomes this like kind of circular logic thing for me where it's like okay, well, I don't properly know how to use this or how to do this, so I should research doing it more. And then I research doing it more, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't really know, you know, whatever, I haven't done this first step. And then I go back to, oh, well, in order to play with this,
0: I need to know how to use it. And I just keep doing that circle where I don't do shit. Right, but that's, I don't know. I'm more of a hands-on person. I like uh, to finicky, what is that, fidget with things.
1: Uh, you're uh,
0: you are a little bit more of a tactile learner than me. Tactile, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And so I, I learn more by doing it and trying to figure it out myself more so than watching someone else do something or reading about it because it's, yeah. it's different. Yeah. It's different.
1: Yeah. See, that's that's kind of the thing. I think I learn best from reading stuff, but that kind of gives you the broad strokes. But you never actually learn the intricacies of doing something until you physically do it. So it's like I I get the broad strokes or I get the general concepts faster than most, uh-huh. but I possibly lag up on like actual execution. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. But everyone's We're doing- to
0: each their own. Everybody's everybody does their thing their own way
1: yeah we're doing this uh thing at work right now, where like we took basically this personality assessment and it's like gonna tell us about like oh, Uh-oh. this is like your top five traits about whatever, and these are your coworkers' top five traits, and here's how you can communicate better with each other and blah 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 um
0: did you which... get your results yet yeah, I did all right, we're gonna talk about that next episode
1: is that the do you want to go over my top five strengths next episode?
0: ooh Yes, let's, let's and build you up, also, and, then we'll, and then we'll break you down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Um, but, so, uh, the other Malcolm Gladwell work is uh, the tipping point.
0: So, while I was going through this tipping point stuff, I, I kind of felt like I was kind of living it. Because they were talking about doing things that are just like a little different. Than the norm, and right? How those little things kind of add up to some big thing,
1: right? How how those kind of like these small particular little efforts here and there, or these boxes that you check, end up amalgamating into like this groundswell, right. sort of. I could see how that would be something you would relate to, just because of particularly where you're at with uh, filming your shorts, or like, uh, I mean, you completed one of them, so so now possibly you're you're kind of laying the groundwork for like
0: future projects and the new team that we're building and all that fun stuff. Right. Exactly. It's all little, little, little things that are just adding up into this, hopefully big thing.
1: Well, and that's actually where, um, so I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because you know, when you start reading like, um, how do I put this? Uh, like given the advent of fake news and everything like that, do you know the best method to figuring out what the real news is?
0: Do uh, Google is this real or fake?
1: Yeah, you could Snopes it, but I think even the Snopes guy is crazy, um, or he like lives in Thailand or something with a with a little boy girl. Oh, weird. Yeah, but anyways, I, you know, maybe I don't know anything about anything. Um, but but. Uh, but when you start to – basically my method for determining whether something is real or fake news is I take a CNN article or like an MSNBC article uh-huh. and then I take like a right-wing article and where – the things that those – both articles agree upon, those are the facts. The rest of it is all partisan politicking bullshit. Right. Or maybe not bullshit but definitely like it has an angle. It has a slant, you know, whatever. So you look where, for where these things line up. Well, after reading a lot of the books that I've been reading recently, I start to see, like, not everything and not, like, these wide, you know, kind of uh, ideas, but, like, you see kind of things line up. So um, that was something I saw th- that I think is pretty powerful. Malcolm Gladwell talks about it, um, but also uh, uh, Aubrey Marcus just released this book called Own the Day, Um that, I, that I'm that i in, like I'm on chapter six of right now. Uh-huh. And then there's this book I read about like how uh, mental toughness and Navy seals and all of these books, they put it differently because it's a different medium into a different audience, but they all kind of say the same thing, which is that these small efforts amalgamate. So you don't want to try and overwhelm yourself with the large picture. Like you have to have the reason why you're doing anything to like keep yourself going forward. But the only way to actually, not fuck up the process for yourself or like lose track of where you're at or like completely lose focus is to just do it one evolution at a time. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like if you break it up into these components, then you can focus on one of these little things at a time. So that's not necessarily what Malcolm Gladwell's saying, but he is acknowledging that fact that, you know, enough of these small like things, these small boxes checked or enough of these, uh, Uh, enough of these procedures done, like even these small little daily tasks comes into like a, uh, groundswell of, I use that twice now. I need to stop using groundswell.
0: It Um, seems like it's the word of the week. So is that the word of the week? Just use it. Um,
1: but, but it creates, it can create like a much larger effect. You know what I mean? Right. And the reason why I like this book in particular is because he's like examining trends for which there is data. You know what I mean? He's not just like shooting in the dark. He's just like, well, if you take a look at how these things like how we look at all these different case studies and how we see uh, how we get something to uh, actually grab the attention of the public and like grab exponential popularity and all that kind of stuff, like we can start to examine trends.
0: Exactly. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's kind of like a universal truth. Because he does that with uh, with hush puppies. And with yeah. uh, Sesame Street. Which I'm not really sure what a hush puppy is. They were shoes. Weren't they shoes? I think they're shoes, but aren't they also something you eat? Uh, those are hush puppies, yeah. But that's like a Cajun food. Hush puppies are Cajun? Yeah, they the deep fried cornmeal balls. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. I think hush puppies I don't know. are really like suede. Driving moccasins. <laughs> I think that's what hush puppies were. Or they so were like you, slippers type shoes from back in the day. I, I never owned any, but I probably should have.
1: So, you know, quick question. If you had to choose between eating hush puppies or wearing hush puppies, eating, which would you eating, choose? Eating for eating sure. Eating for sure? Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. That's a little bit more of a short-term operation. Um. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I kind of like the idea of, um, like, the way Gladwell presents a lot of this information, like you said, hush puppies, etc. He kind of builds on these case studies, and that's another thing that kind of breaks down into a universal truth, or at least what I think is a universal truth. Um, but this might get a little abstract, so bear with me here. All right, standing by. Standing by. So... You know, Malcolm Gladwell says essentially that once you watch the trends of the things that kind of uh, sputter and fade and don't ever make it to like mass popularity or when you alternatively watch the trends of things that do reach that like that uh, what he calls the adoption phase and then the boom, mm-hmm. I think he calls it the or something like it. it's he makes an S graph. So you're right. There's graphs.
0: Stop with the graphs, man. Let them go.
1: Well, I don't know why I like to – it's like I like to give information in a visual format, and we're not a visual medium. this isn't
0: a visual medium, dude.
1: I know. So so what I'm saying an S graph looks like – so it doesn't actually look completely like an S. Fuck. Like how am I going to do this? Okay. Um, (laughs) Is it possible that should we – can I start recording – Not necessarily the Skype call that we do this on, but I think for certain segments, I would like to have a camera that I could point towards a whiteboard, and I can draw out some stuff.
0: No. (laughs) That's too much work. No one's going to sit down and watch that. Every time you talk about a graph, people fall asleep. They're not going to go.
1: That's probably true. We probably lose listeners when I I talk about graphs. Okay. Basically, what an S-graph is... It's like you can see this slow kind of crawl. Like uh, like imagine um, like you're walking up a steady climb of a hill, right? So it's like no, it, looks a like
0: st- a, it looks like a worm walking.
1: Uh,
0: it looks like a worm I, I, walking. I don't,
1: I don't know what a worm walking looks like. Oh, you mean like this?
0: Yeah. As a tish moves his finger. Yeah. Like a worm walking.
1: <laughs> for, all the, for all the listeners, I'm inching my finger right? as, as though it were a worm.
0: You got to get the tail on the bottom, and then it curves up to the head.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. So I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know what what a worm walking looked like to Chris. But yes, he's he's exactly right. It, it's that early kind of upwards curve. Like it's not it's not exponentially rising because an exponential graph that's the one you and I are always familiar with because I always say I'm doing this. Yeah, that's an exponential. Again, curve. again,
0: stop it with the hand movements. <laughs>
1: but it's it 's just like a gentle curve up that 's like your early phase right that 's like that 's where you 're laying your groundwork then he sa- says there's the um the adoption phase and that 's where you exponentially grow and then eventually plateau so that 's mm-hmm. kind of where your worm head would be so it goes uh like an s like that 's kind of why but or but also like a worm walking <laughs> i guess and uh th- so when he 's kind of tried i tried. Of- I tried. <laughs> I'm telling you, maybe maybe just some, uh, I, uh, if I was any good at animation, maybe I should take a class on, uh, what is that called, Skillshare? Um, I don't know, or uh, Creative Live? Something like that. I should take a very rudimentary class on animation so I can <laughs> post some animations of all the graphs that I'm talking about. Because that wouldn't take long, that's just lines. It's okay if those look shitty. Right, I don't have to be scientifically accurate. No, you can put that in Word. The same thing that um, – so, so basically what Malcolm Gladwell is asserting is that after watching these trends of successful S-curves and unsuccessful S-curves, you begin to establish this kind of trend where you can kind of break down the components of what makes something, uh, something that will kind of catch that quote-unquote – like he uses the quote-unquote word viral. In this book, because it's like, that's kind of the idea. Like, how are you going to have something catch on with such mass appeal in such a short amount of time? Uh-huh. And ironically, that's exactly what happened with this book, right? Like, right. he, he published it and it's all about this stuff. And then you can like, he even, I think in the, uh, the reissues of this book, he has like his own graphs that he made for the sales of this book, which is interesting.
0: But anyway, for, for people that love graphs.
1: Yeah, if you're like me and you love graphs,
0: <laughs> yeah, this oh, is this starting a meetup group every other Thursday. <laughs> and we can go over some graphs.
1: Um, no, but I, I think it's, you know, it's pretty clear. I'm like a visual learner. So that's kind of just the way I like to, you know, whatever you like to tinker. You like to be a tactile learner. So I don't know what we're going to do for you in terms of graphing.
0: Just not do it at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe,
0: <laughs> maybe that's the better
1: option. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and I know like, uh, listeners have probably heard me reference this a million times, so
0: I don't want to beat a dead horse on this,
1: but that book,
0: uh, huh? Principles. How'd you know? Oh my goodness. You talk about it every other sentence. Dude, this book is (laughs) like life changing for me. (laughs) Why are we not talking about that book? Because it's a thousand pages and I'm not going to read it.
1: Exactly. Like even, even if you skip it, because A good third of the book is like his personal life, which he even says in the introduction. He's like, yeah, if you're not interested in me, like personally or whatever, and you just want to learn like the lessons in this thing, you can skip right to those. But even if you do that, it's still pretty
0: long. Yeah. It looked like a Bible.
1: Yeah. Oh, is that the one you keep calling my Bible? Okay. Well, yeah. So my Bible principles by Ray Dalio. Um, And In that book, he says that once you practice, and this part is a little, again, bear with me, this part's a little like hippy-dippy for my taste, but it reveals something kind of important, which is that he says, once you practice radical open-mindedness, where you don't see anything as going against or for your hypothesis, but just it is, it just is data that you can collect, then you start to notice trends and once you notice enough trends you start to realize that every one of those is just another one of those do
0: you know what i mean not at all okay one of those as in regards to trends
1: yeah, or just like one of those it's it's just one of those things. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's it's one of those. And then you start to realize that everything in life is one of those. Like everything is an example of how something works because not everything is replicable, but if you can make it for the most part re- replicable and like you get the same results with the same inputs, then you start to figure things out. It it becomes like a problem. You put this in, you get this out.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Okay. And, and so that kind of is the underlying, underlying premise. Like Malcolm Gladwell doesn't address it, but that's the underlying premise behind his whole theory, which is that if we look at enough of these trends enough about what makes something popular versus unpopular, we can start to kind of bust out the, uh, the commonalities between, between uh, the successful things. And then we can kind of figure out how, like we can almost make a playbook on how to make
0: your stuff successful. So uh, let's break down some uh, ideas he talks about that caused those things to become successful.
1: Sure. Um, I think in uh, – this is very early on in the book. I'm trying to remember what chapter. Maybe I should have like nah,
0: – now people should go this. out and read the book themselves. We're just going to give like a, a quick overview.
1: Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We're yeah, not it's here to like – Interesting, yeah. Okay. Well, um, in, in, it's one of his like really early chapters. It might even be uh, chapter one. I'm not sure. But he basically says that the, the ability to get to the quote unquote tipping point is more or less based on the support of like a certain influential trend or a certain type of influential people. Yeah. Which he like, I uh... think.
0: There are three type of people he was talking about.
1: Yeah, and they're all named something that sounds like, uh, uh like he talks about. Uh, I remember one of them is Maven because that's something that is what's your middle used name. In. No. Oh.
0: <laughs> well, what's your Maven ma- Mazumdar? I like my it.
1: middle name does start with an M. Weirdly <laughs> enough. And I would like to say that I'm not going to say it on this podcast so I can maintain some anonymity. But if you Google search at Tish Mazumdar, you get me anyways.
0: Yeah, it's, you're done. Everybody knows where you live, dude.
1: Hey, you get to hide behind Chris Scott, okay? I Google that. I'm pretty sure I don't. I don't find anyone.
0: Don't blame me. I know. So they had three people. He had the connectors, he had salesmen, and he had mavens.
1: Yes, that's what it was. Connectors, salesmen, and mavens. And this kind of was reminding me of that the strength assessment thing that I was doing um, for for work, actually, recently. You're a maven. Um, I'm a maven?
0: <laughs> yeah, you are a maven. I'm a maven? Yeah.
1: Well, so it's like, okay, so everybody knows what a salesman is, right? And that's like somebody who can charm and make connections with everyone and like persuades people to do shit and thereby affects how people buy or how people sell or how people i don't know what else salesmen are involved in but yeah basically that
0: um doing lunch driving nice <laughs> cars yeah see i don't do any of that. always being happy
1: yeah i'm definitely not always happy i don't really do lunch and i don't drive a nice car we well, just nice well, car. yeah yeah i mean <laughs> it's not like a nice nice car it's it's a it 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 really it's runs nice very
0: car. Yeah? It's cool. a nice car, it's shiny.
1: And then Mavens, which Chris asserts I am, are basically the type of people who like make sure that all the relevant information is out there or like make sure people stay well informed and all that kind of stuff. Um
0: which because they're they're information hoarders.
1: And yeah, they love yeah. sharing yeah. that
0: information with people. Via, right. via graphs.
1: Yeah. And uh so Gladwell basically asserts that uh, the ease of getting to the tipping point that will then kind of uh, cascade you into that exponential growth, into that exponential trend, is kind of based on the influence of those three types of people into your, uh, into your brand. Yeah.
0: What? I think he mostly talks about it as an idea. Yeah.
1: Which is why, like, I kind of always try to apply these things concretely, but- Sometimes that's a little difficult to do because I can't think of, like, actual examples of, like, who those people would be for very specific things.
0: Right. But I, I like the the phrase idea because it kind of makes it relatable to everybody. <laughs> right. It's like, how many people have you met was like, oh, I've got this great idea for a new TV show. Or I've got a great idea for this new type of app. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, and that's all it is. That's all it ever is. It's just an idea. Speaking of which, did I tell you about my movie idea?
1: No. Oh my god. Okay, we'll we'll wait until after. Like, well, this (laughs) this will be a bonus, a bonus featurette or something. We can leave that till later. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, but then uh, he so so those are the people that are influential in the beginning of that that exponential trend up, right? Right. In in that part of the S
0: graph. And just real quick, uh, connectors—they're kind of the really the cool guys in town that know everybody socially. (laughs)
1: right right
0: and are very uh they just have a large audience themselves and they they like to share good things that they hear about
1: so you're probably our connector
0: i'm probably I'm, and i'm jerry jerry the connector
1: yeah <laughs> you're jerry seinfeld slash the connector because and
0: my middle name is danger
1: oh my god okay see i'm sick of the turn it up to 26 <laughs> and i'm definitely sick of the my middle name's danger uh, those have become recurring meta themes in this podcast. And I'm
0: I'm okay with that. I'll yeah, let you know when right. I'm sick of it,
1: but okay, good to know. Um yeah, so you're because you know all of our like kind of our our field people, all the all the people in the industry, you know actors, you know how to find actors, you know how to blah, 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 like that sort of thing. Um, I guess you said I'm a Maven. I guess I could kind of see that. Because I am a little bit of an information hoarder, um, but so maybe this should enlighten us that what maybe what you and I need As is a salesman. a salesman.
0: We need a salesman, dude. Yeah. Who's
1: your new intern? Are they not a salesman?
0: No, not at all.
1: God damn it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can find a new salesman. We're we're working on something tomorrow, so we can possibly find one there. Although I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't find one there. No. No. No.
0: Maybe not there.
1: <laughs> yeah, we both agree on that part. <laughs> Maybe not there. Um uh but then another part I definitely wanted to address because because you're right, like, you know, I don't want to go into too in-depth because I think that part of this is figuring out what what parts of his information actually apply to your specific situation and like use what works and discard the rest. Uh-huh. Like I think that's that's part of the value in this book, but um, definitely something that kind of applies, especially to me. And like you can see all sorts of real world examples right now, um, some of which I'm more frustrated than others about. Um, no <laughs> which, way. Yeah. Go figure. Right. Um,
0: like what? Name one.
1: Well, so uh, I'm talking about uh, when he talks about uh, stickiness. Right. And when he refers to stickiness, he's talking about, like, how, how much adhesion does your, you know, trend or does your business or does your brand or does your item or whatever have to keep, like, new customers? How, like, how good is that at keeping them and making them a part of this exponential
0: growth? Right. Is your idea memorable enough to make people take action?
1: Well, well, not only that, but it's like you can see how certain companies, like for instance, um, you know how. Uh, so Spotify, right? Do you use Spotify? I do. Yeah.
0: Do you pay for it? I do, because yeah, uh, I, so I needed it for a work thing, and then I just kept it.
1: Ah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So Spotify will offer you, you know, a month free or two months free or whatever their promo is, or like three months for ninety nine cents or like whatever it is. But when you sign up, you leave your credit card, and they're like, oh, you can cancel anytime," And you can. It's not like you can't. But, uh, but you end up just forgetting all about it. And it's just like, ah, that's such a hassle to do, you know, whatever. And so you just, like, keep your Spotify account running. They count on this because that means that they get recurring monthly revenue from your account every month, and they can pretty much, like, predict it. You can chart that. Like, you can estimate that there's probably like a 10 to 20% attrition rate on Spotify. So, like, 10 to 20% of users will sign up and then not, and and then will uh, delete their account. A majority of users, however, will just like forget about it. Like, they'll either just embrace it, like, okay, I guess I'm a Spotify user now, or they'll completely forget about it, but end up keeping on paying anyways.
0: With me, I definitely, uh, I did cancel at some point. After the work thing. And then I was uh like I got hooked on it as my music source because the radio isn't that great in town nowadays. It's like three stations here all play the same songs at the same time, it seems like.
1: Oh yeah. The radio is absolute dog shit.
0: So uh I went back to the free version of Spotify and it's you can't control your playlist. They play ads all the time. And I was just like so frustrated with it. I was like so fine.
1: Yeah, I want to make my playlist and I want to have control. So that's worth paying for for me.
0: Yeah, that's why that's why I signed back up with it.
1: But that's that's why um uh that's why it's so it's a very you can see how the stickiness sort of works. And that's also why um did you notice when Spotify started offering when they're like, "Hey, if you buy a year up front, you can get it for this discounted rate." Right? That's well, basically that's, yeah, a to, lot of
0: a lot of people do that with their subscription services.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's basically to lock your customers in to have them again as guaranteed revenue in throughout your year. Uh-huh. So that's like a highly sticky what 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 Malcolm Gladwell Gladwell refers to
0: as like a very highly sticky. I think, I think that's a cynical way of looking at his stickiness factor. Really? Yeah, I think you're like I Spotify those subscription based services they all trick people into coming back.
1: I mean, it, but it is a when trick, Spotify I guess. first
0: showed up. When Spotify first showed up, what was the 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 thing about Spotify that everybody liked? It wasn't iTunes. It was basically make your own playlist and go type of thing. Yeah, and you can like stream whatever. And the idea of that is what is the sticky part? That was the stickiness. Mm. I think he's talking about. Not so. This- you're
1: saying that the stickiness factor for Spotify is not just like these uh, parlor tricks right that they do that are like marketing ploys but rather it's the idea that we provide you consistently with the music that you want you can access it anytime
0: and control it however you want to play on your playlist share those playlists yeah. with your friends all that fun stuff and then yeah yeah i think that's the stickiness of spotify so
1: that keeps you coming back to spotify as opposed to like pandora or uh, uh, you know title which i never ever used never got
0: into oh title with uh, jay-z
1: yeah, I I had never ever used that and like I never even tried.
0: Yeah, cuz uh cuz Spotify was came out, I Pandora was out before Spotify. And
1: right. everybody's
0: like Pandora's great. You just hit make a playlist and it picks songs for you, but it like randomly selects it for you. You can't really control it.
1: Right. And and I just kind of I maybe call me a control freak if you must, but I enjoy having my stuff in my hands as opposed to like, you know, some algorithm that obviously doesn't understand the nuances of minor chords. Or
0: your head, yeah, or so, my head. Uh, yeah, so I, th- I think Spotify provided that other option that wasn't making a playlist on YouTube ah uh, see I I really there's something like there's a really good
1: example of stickiness in my company, but I feel like I probably can't talk about it because it reveals something pretty important about our sales structure mm-hmm. And that would probably be giving away like a little too much information or I like maybe I would just be worried about getting in trouble about it. But if I could possibly get the clear on – because it's it's a really good example of stickiness. Um, but kind of also if I'm being honest, maybe I am looking at it in a cynical way because, again, what I'm talking about is not necessarily a trick but basically a contractual way that we keep people signed on to our products. Right. But – but, yeah, maybe you're, you're right
0: because what I'm thinking of is, again, kind of like a little bit of like a trick sort of. I think he talks about fax machines. Uh, I just got a text from my friend Charles that reminded me oh, of fax what's... machines. Oh, yeah. And how when fax machines first came out, he's the guy was selling like 80000 a year, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fax machines. But then after that, a few years yeah. of that, they were selling millions of fax machines every year because enough people had them. And it was a good enough idea to where you can transfer documents over the phone. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just took uh, a large amount of people to buy into this good idea for it to become super sticky. Hmm. And it's not so much a whole subscription build your subscription based clientele thing. It's an, it's a, it's in the the frou frou fr- 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 idea stage. Not so much the, mm. the sales. So
1: point. so it, so kind of what you're saying is like. These tricks or these these tricks can create like sort of stickiness, but those are kind of dime a dozen, whereas real creative um kind of uh what, what's the word I'm searching for? like like one of a kind is kind of not really what I mean that's kind of what I mean though unique um unique, thank you um Real unique sort of creative and good working stuff, that's how you get your stickiness. It's not necessarily just like, oh, you can use these like quick tips or these, these tricks to like create stickiness for your brand or for your type or, you know, whatever. No. You can – you do that endogenously by uh, – Endogenously. Or, in- <laughs> or intrinsically, if you will, um, by
0: really creating a product that matters. Not only that a project that matters, but a project that uh, everyone thinks is a good idea. Mm. So if Yeah, you, those, aren't, those aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. No. So if people think, yeah, that's a good idea. You should do something about that. Like mm-hmm. my, I have a buddy that wants to open up a coffee shop. And everyone's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Where's your coffee shop? And he hasn't done anything for seven years or something like that. But he oh, still gets yeah. asked, like, hey, where's that coffee shop? That was a great idea with the whole message you wanted to send behind it. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm writing my business plan this week, I swear. <laughs> and I'm sure he is, I believe him, but yeah, it's, it's you know when you have this idea like this murder mystery night, every time I tell someone about this murder mystery night, they're like, that's a great idea, I want to go to it, and so it's like a unique idea that is a good idea that people are kind of attaching themselves to
1: right exactly, and that's that's why I think honestly um I think this is something that we talked about in the early thing is that you we kind of torn between thinking of it. Like if you wanted to think of it as an individual thing that would just kind of set you up to be a, a known production company or something like that, or if this would be like kind of a recurring thing. Right. But that was like, that was early stage talks when we were, you know, before even all the scripts were worked out and stuff like that. Right. So, so because your idea offers something that uh, is kind of not commonplace but also like people are drawn to it that creates this inherent stickiness
0: right which is Hmm. which is and doing those little tiny things uh, like having the live actors in between the short films that's a little tiny change that kind of adds to that whole that tweaks the idea a little bit that helps yeah get to that tipping point
1: yeah yeah absolutely. it's a little
0: change it's a little different it's a little unique that helps Push you to that point of tipping, going up that S-graph, hmm. the worm's head, or the middle of the worm. <laughs> yeah, so we can
1: refer to parts <laughs> on the S-graph as the worm's head and the worm's, what, carapace? Or I don't know what you refer to that as. Aren't
0: worms, uh, don't they have two heads?
1: No, I'm pretty sure. Wait, you mean like one on the front, one on the back?
0: Yeah, don't aren't worms just... Like two holes on each end, and they just move around all over the place, and then you fish with them?
1: Uh, I don't know enough to tell you that that's not how it is, but like for some reason I feel like that's not true.
0: I thought you did, because you just used that word endogenously, which is a biochemistry term referring to organisms and cells and tissues.
1: Made made up of the body,
0: yeah. <laughs> Nerd. Good, nice, nice Google work. Thank you, thank you. Hmm. So uh, I think overall, this book is, it's just about, I I had this conversation, I I did a photo shoot with a fellow filmmaker here in town, Uh and he was just asking me, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Or like, what have you been working on? Yeah. And then uh, I was like explaining the whole murder mystery night part, Uh and he was talking about, uh, well, why are you doing it like this? Why are you doing it like that? Why aren't you showing it at a theater? Why aren't you? You know, doing all the usual same old same old stuff with the whole movie, right? Premiere screening routine, and I was like, because I need to be a little different. I gotta. I don't think people go to theaters anymore for an experience. I don't know. Do you remember the first time you saw Jurassic Park? Were you old enough to I, see it in the theater? No, I saw it on VHS. So when Jurassic fart Park first part. Huh, huh, <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Jurassic Park first came out. Uh It was I saw it in the theater, and I was 12, I think, and it was just like this huge experience because we've never seen a movie like that before, mm-hmm. and it was like new and young, and I was young, and it was like a fresh experience that was happening in the theater, and it was scary, and it was great, and there were dinosaurs, yeah, and it was like an awesome experience. But I, the uh, Avengers movie is coming out at the end of this month. I'm not excited about it. Okay, thank I'm. A,
1: I can see where this connection actually is coming for the, for the Malcolm Gladwell thing. So, A, I'm glad that this connects because, B, I totally wanted to get into this because neither am I.
0: And it's because I feel like uh, Marvel started off doing something very unique, which is they were starting to build this universe. When Iron Man right. 1 came out, they were building up a universe. And then right. all these individual movies came out, and they had those after credits scenes. Yeah, that my God. Like now now that's become a staple. Right, and it's it's pretty crazy, but it's gotten to the point where it's definitely – I feel like it peaked. It's already plateaued at the top of your S graph.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I, I think that it had this inherent stickiness to it because as you create that universe – You know, you want to, oh, okay, like, uh, uh, well, they're they're about to make The Avengers, which is all four of them together, so I should probably go see that Thor movie. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. because I've already watched the other ones, I'm going to go watch the other ones. But they kind of lost me along the way. You know what I mean? Like as they kept extend extending out the adoption phase, they they really like I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think they plateaued super hard, but now they're still pumping out movies about it and it kind of just doesn't it doesn't hold me the same way it did and I'm
0: not really entirely sure why. Right. And I feel like this last year there was a Black Panther movie which I thought was yeah. really good and the the third Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yes. And I feel like with those two movies, they they changed up their normal formula to attempt to revive that current, that previous rise of interest.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. So here's my, I I will agree, but I will also disagree. I agree with you on Black Panther. I think that that movie was a departure from their from their like very traditional three act. You know, like you know how this all you know is gonna go plug out and you know, whatever. The thing about Thor Ragnarok is I didn't like. Sure, sure, the script was called Thor Three, and the actors in it were all Thor actors, but it was Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Because
0: no, no it was it wasn't a Thor movie.
1: Well, that it was but it's a also a like,
0: new comedy that nobody expected. Right
1: yes okay it was like people went to that
0: movie and they didn't know they were supposed to laugh at certain moments and then at some point they finally started laughing
1: well the jeff goldblum stuff was obviously funny and he's he's the diamond in the rough on that movie as far as i'm concerned Uh like like he really is a goddamn gem and i'm so glad that we have him but um especially speaking of jurassic park have you watched that video that's just his uh jurassic park laugh no is it 20 a twenty hours
0: like, oh, loop? Is it a twenty hour loop? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh my god! It's just him going. We should play that at the party on Monday. Oh, I definitely will. I definitely will. <laughs> uh, um, I don't. Yeah. So I don't think. I don't think it was as. It was Guardians of the Galaxy three.
1: No, it was just so quippy. Like they were so focused on just like joke, joke, <stutters> joke, 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 joke. And I don't know if that's going to be. You know. Uh, so that's the thing. I think that because essentially, what any good business wants to do or any good brand or anything like that is hit their early adoption phase then hit that tipping point that malcolm gladwell refers to and explode up but then from there don't plateau you have another early adopter phase hit the tipping point and explode up again right and you do that over and over and over again so i could kind of see that maybe black panther was the platform with which they could you know, start that, start that growth period again, start doing more unconventional or like, or less conventional three act paint by numbers, you know, Oh, here comes the all is lost moment. You know, like I thought black Panther did a little uh, like a better job of kind of turning that
0: construct on its head and, and operating a little bit differently. Um, well, compare, where, compare black Panther to all the other Marvel movies. They had a bad guy that was worth cheering for as well as the good guy.
1: Right. It was, it, it had nuance. It It wasn't uh-huh. just like, it wasn't, um, here's your introduction to the character who's a total badass, but here's their one flaw. Now, their one flaw is going to cause them to do whatever until they learn humility and then they conquer the villain, right? right. That dis- that right there describes Iron Man 1, it describes Thor, it describes Captain America. Well, maybe not. Probably not Captain America. He's that perfect. first one what? <laughs> <laughs> True. Um so that's kind of why I think I lost interest in uh in Infinity War. Uh-huh. Like, I'm sure I'll probably end up seeing it at some point or another, but I kind of think they plateau they plateaued pretty hard on their movies, with the only anomaly being uh in my eyes in the most in recent history, Black Panther. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know if I I probably wouldn't pay full price to go see uh Infinity War. Yes, thank you. My God. I just said it. Um, Also, because I think it's going to be super distracting. It's going to be like watching people play Marvel versus Capcom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where like, there's so many characters jumping in and out and just whatever. It's like, I am not going to understand anything that's going on in this movie. So. Yeah. (laughs) All in all, um, I... I think that The Tipping Point is a really good read not just because of it made it makes you aware to these embedded sort of processes or things that are involved with like things going viral or things becoming very popular or like exploding or having exponential growth. It kind of gives you these underlying um like identities or something like that. But what it also does is it teaches you to kind of like learn from case studies, which I think is really important in both a creative, uh, a creative line of work, as well as a, uh, as well as like a business side of work or whatever, because like what I was kind of getting at with you last week on the podcast was like, so, you know, how did you take your experience from the last movie and apply it to this most recent shoot? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, basically you know, what I was getting at was that you uh, and like, I don't know if you you probably don't refer to it this way, but it it's true. It's what you do. You are collecting data each time you do a photo shoot or each time you do a video shoot or each time you do, you know, whatever, and you figure out certain types of people, but you also cer- like figure out what you're going to make better about yours such that you hit that, you know, uh, early adoption phase and stickiness and yada yada. Right. So I think it's interesting because it's like it's kind of like that's where you're at right now.
0: That's where I'm at right now. Collecting yeah. data, trying to do little tiny changes to kind of build up this big idea that you have in your head that I have in my yeah. head.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you you're taking the stuff that worked in Eddie Mummy, but then you're also applying a whole new rule set to this. That's, you know, a little bit more nuanced, perhaps, or maybe uh I think you said like you' were a little bit more happy with the crew that you were working with this time or you know what have you Definitely definitely was Yeah so it's like it's like that's kind of what Malcolm Gladwell besides just the principles that he's specifically referring to on you know how to kind of capture this virality but also he's encouraging like that that kind of holistic uh thought process in whatever you do
0: Uh-huh
1: So uh yeah that's my <laughs> There's my thoughts on Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point.
0: The Tipping Point.
1: And we should definitely talk about principles, but that book is a long
0: read. We'll save that for next year.
1: <laughs> so you and I are going to average a book a year. Perfect.
0: <laughs> well, no, we'll tell people to read it now, and it's going to take everybody a year to read it because it's
1: oh, okay, 3,000 gotcha, gotcha. pages long. Yeah, something like that.
0: uh Yeah, and my takeaway from The Tipping Point was. If you have a good idea and enough people are telling you it's a good idea, meditate on it for a minute. Take a look at it. Yeah. Take baby steps to see what would, you know, make that take off. Mm -hmm. Try and figure out what people really like about that idea and kind of not exploit it, but just study that a little bit and see why and massage it. And see what they don't like about it and kind of we know massage that knot out. And just, just don't worry about the big picture of I am making a movie and I need to make $100 million on the first weekend. Yeah, It's like, no, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on telling a good story and creating an experience for an audience on a smaller scale. And eventually that will build up to another experience that they'll, right. they'll tell their friends about, hopefully. And it'll so kind of snowball up to the yes, Yeah, the, the worm's head.
1: <laughs> the worm's head. The worm's head. See. Oh my God! I'm gonna sneeze. Wait for it. <coughs> Bless
0: you. Tight. <Gesundheit>. Uh, <laughs> yes.
1: Um, yeah. So, so you also kind of see uh, kind of a a perspective on compartmentalizing.
0: Right. Of. To kind of just break everything down, so it's not this huge thing to tackle. It's a little tiny thing. Yeah. And yeah. you could break down those tiny things even more if you need to, just because. It just makes it all more tangible and easier to work with.
1: Oh, man. You would love principles.
0: <sighs> <sighs> I'll, I'll put it on the Audible list. Hopefully, it's an Audible.
1: Um, It might be, honestly. I don't know. I, I think so. It, it probably is. It's a, It's like a bestseller. It's probably on there.
0: All right. So, long story short, little things add up to big things.
1: Little things add up to big things and uh, really be cognizant of your process in whatever you're doing because that that's what creates that gradual uh what's the opposite of a decline an incline you're right incline (laughs) that's what creates that gradual incline um but you don't want to miss your quote-unquote tipping point when you when you hit it you know what i mean you want to capitalize on that gain and retain that exponential growth and
0: never plateau Gain and retain and never plateau.
1: Gain and retain and never plateau. I'm kind of happy with myself about that. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome, uh, Creative Eyes, Strategize, Synergize listeners.
0: No, we're going to end when you said that line.
1: Damn it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Creative Eyes, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.